And welcome to the episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. And Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at GrizzTacoU. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at HorizonRT. And Matt, um, joining us on his way to uh, to Northwestern, a uh, very special guest, uh, Jordan Burnfield, who is our uh, is the Horizon League's play by play guy for ESPN. Jordan, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Of course, guys, glad to be part of it. Yes. Uh, so, so Jordan. Um, you know, so so for those of everybody scoring at home, and I don't know if anybody everybody's familiar with what you, what you do. Tell us a little bit about how long you've been how long you've been a part of the uh, the Horizon League broadcast specifically uh, for ESPN. And then obviously, I know yeah. you also you also do a lot of other things for NBC Sports Chicago. Um, we're, we're catching you on the way to the Northwestern. You're doing a game for uh, uh, BTN today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll give you the the shorter version than than uh, the long version. Not to talk too much about myself, but I you know for me uh, my connections to the Horizon League go back uh, over ten years now. Um, I've specifically been doing play-by-play for the Horizon League for ESPN for five years. Um, that's when I started working for ESPN, and uh, my first year they put me on the Horizon League package, and I was thrilled. And, uh, to do it because, you know, it was a great opportunity for me starting out uh, in such a, you know, big network and high profile and all that sort of thing, but also because my connections run pretty deep in the Horizon League. And the reason for that is that, you know, growing up in the Chicago area, obviously you're in the, the Horizon League footprint, so I was familiar with the teams anyway, but also when I got out of college, and I was, you know, coming home and looking for jobs and all that sort of thing. Uh, one of my first jobs in the broadcast business was actually doing baseball and softball for UIC back in 2009. Okay. And so that was what got me into the Horizon League uh, sphere, so to speak. And uh, from there, I started covering UIC women's basketball in the 09-10 season and also UIC men's basketball when their mm-hmm. games were broadcast on ESPN 1000 and it was the last year of Jimmy Collins oh, uh, okay. as the UIC head coach. So I go back that far with the league and really from that year forward in some way, shape, or form um, I've been broadcasting Horizon League basketball ever since. So, um, you know, that's how it started for me. You know, I was also doing Loyola Chicago and they were in the horizon so at one point sure. I was working with two teams in the league and uh, you know it's just kind of been a part of me professionally ever since so and I sort of feel like uh, you know it, it's been it, it, the horizon league has kind of helped launch my career so that's why I've always mm-hmm. felt a, a real personal connection to it okay yeah. now I'm, I'm, I'm sorry go ahead Matt well, I was just saying, very cool. I didn't, I didn't know Jordan's backstory and all of that. I mean, he's just, he's been around calling these games for you know five years, and I, I didn't know what the the whole connection was other than the Chicago area. So that's cool. Yes, and I'm, and I'm very glad, and I'm actually very glad. Speaking of Chicago, obviously, um, you know, I am very glad we were able to. You're the perfect guy for us to be have on today. Um, you know, we're we're recording this on Sunday morning, so we're actually going to probably 
post this before the Sunday games today, before the Sunday games go off. But but Friday, Jordan, you were you were at you were at credit uh, you were credit union uh, credit union was it credit one arena credit union one I can't remember credit the name union of the game. one yeah thank you right. <laughs> so you were at the you were at the you were in you were at you were at credit union one arena you were you were ca- you were calling the the Northern Kentucky UIC game. And I gotta, and I'm sure you can agree with me that is, that second half. Um, why, you know what? Walk us through that because um, that that has to be the craziest second half I've seen in a long, 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 long time. I mean, I mean, let, yeah, well, let's start out by the fact that when the the second, if I if I remember correctly, the second half started and UIC was leading by four points, and then. A 30-0 run. Yeah, I mean, that um, you don't see that often. You know, no. All is happening at the beginning, guys. You remember the beginning of the run. And, you know, I, I had a game yesterday in Northwestern. I was talking to, you know, some of the people at our scores table about it because they were watching it too and had the same kind of reaction. They're like, what did you think? I said, really, you know, when the run started for Northern Kentucky, you know, I, I felt like early in the game UIC – um, was you know they were they were it was a sloppy game but I felt like UIC sort of was was getting good ball movement and their offensive possessions even though they weren't all finishing with baskets and I sure. felt like Steve McLean's doing was was the team was doing the kinds of things that they would want to do right they were executing from an offensive standpoint even mm-hmm. if it wasn't all resulting in baskets but early in the second half it just felt like things started to break down on them and. When the run began for Northern Kentucky, it really wasn't that they were making shots. You know, one of the things we were trying to point out in the broadcast was Northern Kentucky was really struggling with their threes. Yeah. And one of the themes of the game that we really tried to, to make known was that, as you guys know, this is kind of a different look for Northern Kentucky this year. Without Drew McDonald, who's the best player in school history, they can't really front the post as much as they used to. They're not going to run their offense through one of their bigs the way they did. They're going to shoot a lot more threes because that's the way they're built now. Yeah. They weren't making threes early in the game. And so I think that the run began because UIC had some breakdowns offensively in which they were turning the ball over in kind of a sloppy manner. And I think that if you ask Steve McClain or any of the players, they would agree that, that they were just not able to execute on several possessions in a row offensively and they were turning it over and Northern Kentucky was getting easy baskets. And then once the run got to 10, 12, 14, whatever, all of a sudden Northern Kentucky was like, we've got confidence. Like, things are going great. We're playing well. And so I think that propelled them to start hitting their threes that they weren't making early in the game. So I sort of felt like that 30-0 run was kind of happened in two phases, right? The first was UIC was – committing errors that were leading to easy baskets for Northern Kentucky, and then once the Norse had the realization that, hey, things are going great for us, they started burying threes all over the place, and that's when the run really just expanded in such an extraordinary way. And so um, I, I can't say that I ever remembered seeing it. You know, I think I asked Rob on the air, Rob Kennedy, uh, our color analyst, about if he'd ever remembered seeing a 30-0 run in person and, and he didn't recall one, I couldn't remember one myself, you know, broadcasting college basketball now over 10 years 
ever seeing something like that. I mean, it's so unique, especially in a conference game when teams are generally pretty even, evenly matched. And listen, UIC was picked to finish third in this league, and Northern yeah. Kentucky was picked to finish second. So it's just like the, all the things in context you'd never expect to happen. Uh, but it was it was something, and and you know I've said this for years, covering this league. You know, one of the things that we love so much about covering the Horizon League in particular with this Friday night ESPN package is you feel like you go into these games and all the prep you do and all the things that you you can predict might happen seemingly don't happen, right? It, it's yeah. just these are wild games every Friday, and and obviously we would never have expected this kind of thing to happen, but that's what makes doing these games on a Friday so exciting and why we love covering this league so much because, you know, that was something I would never, ever have expected. I, I, would, I would agree. I mean, and, and also, and add one one other, you mentioned the miscues on UIC's end. Also, too, and, you know, I know you didn't mention this, but they didn't score for 11 minutes. I mean, that's that's insane. Yeah, I, it just, I mean, you, know, you I think, would think they would have, they, you would have think they would have hit a basket by accident in 11 minutes. Yeah, and also, like, you think about there are certain teams in college basketball that obviously will slow the game down by design or by necessity or whatever. I mean, Matt, you know from watching Oakland this year, I mean, typically Oakland's going to be an up and up and down, you know, fast-paced team, but Coach Campy's got to dial it back this year um, due to their just lack of experience at the guard position. You know, I, I could see it more if it was a team that was trying – to limit possessions to not score over a long period of time. I mean, 11 minutes is crazy, but the point is, you know, if it was fewer possessions, you might think maybe in some weird circumstance, but Steve McLean teams want to get up and go, and they've got a bunch of fast guards, and that is what Steve McLean has been trying to build at UIC, and he's done it pretty successfully, I would say, in the context of the Horizon League over the last few years. They've been one of the better teams, and one of the reasons is to get these fast athletic guards that can shoot the ball, and so, like, the idea that that kind of team wouldn't score over 11 minutes, I think even heaps it into another level of craziness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was nuts. I mean, you, just, you, just ne- you never think you're going to see a 30 nothing run. I mean, we see 10 nothing runs, 12-2 runs often in college basketball. I mean, we all know the game is a game of runs, but you never expect to see 30 nothing. So, so Jordan, I know you and I talked at the, after the Oakland game for a moment, and uh, I know that you, you know, you do listen to the podcast, which we appreciate. Um, so you've heard yeah. me and Bob talk about, you know, how we just can't see Steve McLean making it past this yeah. year. Um, do you have any opinion? I mean, we don't get very many UIC fans; they're hard to find. Like, so can you kind of represent <laughs> UIC fan for us for a moment, or just even, you know, college basketball analyst? Like, do you see him making it out of this year with that team, and what what's going on there? I will actually yeah, just go before you. I'm sorry. Before you do that, I did, I will disclaimer that uh, Matt, the 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 UIC fans are med, are there are a couple popping up and they are not happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I you know I they, the UIC I know many UIC fans. They are they are a passionate fan base. They yeah. they do represent. Um, you know, I listen. I don't know what's going to happen. I I, I can't say. Um, you know, I, I I really like covering Steve. I've I've covered him since his beginnings at UIC um, after he took over for Howard Moore. I think that the program is in, um, you know, better shape over the last few years when you consider that they had a 12-win Horizon League season three years ago 
and they had double-digit wins a season ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this year hasn't started the way that they would have hoped, but I think that, to be fair to UIC, they were missing four starters for a lot of the non-conference. I mean, Rob Howard would have projected as their starting center. He had shoulder surgery, is out for the year. And then Tarkus Ferguson began the year out of the lineup. Um, Marcus Adi began the season with a leg injury and out of the lineup. And Jordan Blount was recovering from knee surgery. So if we're fair to UIC, you know, how many teams could lose four starters and have a good start to the year? None, really, right? I mean, even if you took the top four starters off of Duke, they wouldn't be Duke. So the idea that you're going to take four starters off a mid-major and say, oh, well, you know, go be the same team that you would have been, I think that's an impossible task. And so, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I know that there is a new athletic director and mm-hmm. Michael Lippitz um, at UIC. I mean, anyone could speculate that with a new athletic director, perhaps, you know, there could be a, a change of direction. But I know that, that Steve McLean is under contract for this season and next. Yep. And I think that he has done a good job at UIC. He has taken the – I listen, they were a five-win program when he started there. Yeah. And the last couple of years, they have been markedly better, right? I mean, they – they uh, went to a CBI final, and they uh, have played in the postseason, and they have uh, certainly improved their record. And in the Horizon League, and I would argue the last couple of years, they've been one of the best teams down the stretch the last two seasons, um, racking up wins. Now, obviously, this year there was a different expectation because they have four seniors that this might be the year that they yeah. could go to the NCAA tournament. But I also think, too, that – that could still happen, right? I mean, we all know yes. that it comes down to three or four days in March, and if they're playing well at the end of the year, I would argue that could be a dangerous team if they're healthy with four seniors. That That's a tough thing, right? Like, if you have one game to play against four seniors who are motivated to keep their college careers alive, that's not an easy matchup. So I still feel like it could end the way UIC fans wanted it to end it's just not going to happen the way that they might have expected it to happen okay yeah now now on the other side of the now on the other side of the coin i mean i, I guess i gotta ask you how badly did northern kentucky need this win i mean uh, and and i mean forget the way that it was won but looking at north looking what ha- what has transpired with northern kentucky in the first four games of the horizon league what what kind of a confidence boost is this particular win, especially considering they're still missing Dantes Walton? Yeah, I mean it's a great it's a great point. I think it was a huge win for Northern Kentucky because this is a new era for them, and then you know I think that was certainly one of the themes of the broadcast that we had on Friday at uh, Credit Union One Arena, which is that they are a totally new look team in a certain respect. I mean, yes, they do have a lot of players back. But Darren Horn's the coach. Obviously, he's going to be different than John Brandon was, who did a brilliant job, obviously, um, in his tenure at Northern Kentucky. Uh, they have, um, you know, a team that obviously is now without the best player in school history, as we mentioned, with Drew McDonald. Dantes Walton has emerged as one of the best players in the Horizon League, which, frankly, I didn't know was coming. I mean, we all knew that he was really talented. And, you know, in talking to Dantes the last couple of years, I really liked his game. I didn't know he was going to be, you know, multiple 30-point games and and really come on the way that he did. So he's obviously emerged as one of the best players in the league, which is great for the Norse. But, you know, with him out 
and Jalen Tate out for several games uh, with a broken hand to start the year. I mean, who would have who would have known it would materialize uh, the way it has? But to their credit, they still have double-digit wins at this point. Um, they're over 500 in the Horizon League. Um, I think that when you have a culture that has been built the way it has at NKU, you know, they just kind of believe that they're going to do it. And that's one of the things that Darren Horn, you know, told us in shoot-around that, listen, you know, he's a new coach and, and uh, he's gotten to know these guys over the course of the last, you know, eight months after he took over. But he said one of the advantages that he has, obviously, is that he's got a group of kids that believe in themselves and know what it takes mm-hmm. to get where they want to go because they've done it. And so it's, it's a huge win for them because I think as much as we can play up that experience and, and what they've accomplished, there is a feeling out process. And obviously things are different this year. And they're trying to figure some things out because they've had players out of the lineup and really haven't been healthy all year. So for them to go on the road – win a game there um, with with the national spotlight on them is huge. And I think that, uh, you know, if they get Dantes back later in the season, which they expect to do, that's going to be a tough team. I mean, I think right now Wright State is clearly the best team in this league, but I think that Northern Kentucky is right there. And uh, the reason for it is the, the culture and, the you know, the sort of attitude they've established that, you know, they can be kind of an X-man-up sort of team if they don't have all their guys on the floor. Sure, sure. Um, there's just one last question because I know you. I, I know you have to. Le- uh, I know you have to go. Um, you mentioned you mentioned Wright State, um, and they've had. The, I we've seen. Uh, we saw against Detroit Mercy, where they uh, where Detroit Mercy had the opportunity to beat them. How often are we gonna? Are we gonna? What what is what is a Horizon League team gonna need to do to? compete uh, to get to that level to be able to beat Wright State at this point. Uh, we we we're not we're not under the illusion they're going to run the table or anything, but what is it going to how how can what advantage what advantage can a Horizon League team have to make a statement that they can compete and they can battle with Wright State for the top spot of the Horizon League. Well, you know, I, I mean I think you got to give Detroit Mercy first of all credit for uh, nearly knocking them off. I mean, those Friday Sundays, the way that they do it, or Thursday Saturday in this league, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing two games in three days, and these are still college students, and you know, it's tough on on uh, you know a day and a half rest basically to go back out there and play. Um, so I think it's always tough in those Sunday games, even if you're the favorite team. Um, and Detroit Mercy has played a lot of teams tough so far, despite their record. But I would say that you know, listen, Wright State has has all the things that a mid-major team requires to be a team that can win a conference and also give a team uh, a real fit in, in an NCAA tournament setting. You know, they're a team that has played together for several years. They're an older team. They have guys that have all been together for a long time. And I think that this is a, a team that's really going to be tough. And mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, when you think about um, – the ingredients that Wright State has, they have everything they need, right? They've got scoring, they've got interior play, they've got an excellent lead guard in Cole Gentry that can really make things go for them. And so, you know, they've got all the ingredients to be awesome. And I think that's why they are, right? But I think Mm -hmm. that to knock them off, you know, really what I would say is that you have to limit Loudon Love's touches and force their guards 
um, to take tough shots on the perimeter. They have a lot of good guards. I mean, Gentry is, like I said, tremendous. Bill Wampler is an excellent scorer, and I think, you know, he's gotten better and better. Uh, Tanner Holden, I really like as a freshman. I mean, he's physical, he's long, he's speedy, um, he's got a really nice shot. You know, this is a high school football player, so he's got a really good body for a freshman. I think that they've got all the things that you need um, to be really good. Honestly, to me, it would just be to to limit love on the interior and frustrate their shooting. Um, They move the ball extremely well, and it would require excellent perimeter defense. And, um, you know, I think that not every team has a player that can – play with loud and love he's extremely strong i mean this is a kid who was an offensive lineman who developed this awesome body as a college basketball player so it's not going to be easy um but you know i think that's probably what it takes and you know i I think it's hard to ever predict like you said that a team can run the table and i and i would think that that would be unlikely um but right state is really really good and scott nagy's done a brilliant job all right. Well, Jordan, uh, I, I know your, your time is limited, so thank you again for, uh, for joining us. Tell everybody where we can find you and uh, where we can listen to you next, uh, the next uh, time on, uh, as, a, as, as a Horizon League play-by-play guy on ESPN. Oh, yeah. No, th- thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure to be on with you. Um, this week we don't have a Horizon Friday game, but we will have one on Friday the 24th of January. It's a 9 Eastern tip. It's on ESPNU, and we've got the first one between Wright State and Northern Kentucky at the Nutter Center um, in uh, Fairborn. So it should be fun. It should be loud. We love those crowds because, you know, those you get so many people drive up from NKU since it's an hour apart. Yep. Uh, so we're looking forward to that one. So uh, Friday the 24th at 9 Eastern is All where right. you'll find us next. Great. Awesome. Thank- All right. Jordan, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan. No problem, guys. Thanks. Take care. And that was Jordan Burnfield. You could catch him. You find him on Twitter at at Jordan Burnfield. So um, that was a and Matt. That that's on you. That's that props to you, Matt, for uh, for you know getting the ball rolling on uh, getting that uh, getting him uh, on and hooking us up. Can I tell you the truth? I got to tell you a quick story about that. So sure. I was sitting, I was literally row right behind Jordan. We've been tweeting all day. He knew who I was. I knew who he was. Like we, we talked for a few minutes. It was great. And, you know, I asked him about the podcast. He's like, absolutely. And he gave me his card. And Jordan, when you listen to this, I'm sorry. I put that card in my wallet and I have no idea where that card <laughs> went. I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy's awesome. He wants to come on with us. He was super complimentary of what we do. Like, this is great. And I don't know where that card went, but I'm glad we were able to still work it out. And I'm an idiot. I don't know what to say. That's okay. Never underestimate the power of Twitter DMs. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So no, I'm glad we were able to get him on. Um, I, I, I do. You know, it's nice to have someone like like Jordan who is an outsider to the league, but is is familiar and he, he keeps up and he know, yeah. he does know his stuff. And you know, I, I really I really appreciate having someone like him. And like I said, he was very complimentary of what we do, and it's cool that you know we were able to get him on. And hopefully, we can talk to him again in the future. Absolutely, absolutely. So what the hell else is going on in this league right now? Okay, so um. So we got to talk about Youngstown State, all right? Because really? it looks. Hold on, we... Bob. Can we talk about one other thing first? Oh no! Okay. I know where they... we're going. Oh can God! I, can I just say I'm so glad we don't have to record this bonus episode. <laughs> Thank God. Oh my God, that was. I'd have done oh. it, but I wouldn't have been happy. 
Oh, that was such a clown show on Saturday. Such a freaking clown show. I, I, I mean, I could see, I mean, there were, I think, 51 fouls called in that game. In the first 50 half. freaking one. If I mean the only reason that the only reason that game wasn't closer is because Cleveland State couldn't hit their free throws, but it was like the refs were getting paid by the hour. What a bunch of clown shoes those guys are! To be I fair, mean, they did they called it even. I didn't yeah. like the way they called evenly it. Evenly terrible, evenly terrible. I, I mean, it was um, it was so unwatchable. I was sitting here and just. I wanted to throw stuff at my television because I kept hearing whistles. I heard whistles in my sleep. That's how many whistles were heard. I watched Dennis Gates' uh, post-game press conference. I haven't. I actually have not yet. um, So you're kind of spoiling it for me. But go ahead. Go ahead. Well, somebody tried to ask him about that, and he just completely shut them down. It's the first time I've really seen Dennis Gates speak. Uh, I was very impressed by him as as a human. Um, I thought, you know, obviously he's done a really nice job as a coach, but. He pretty much shut it down talking about how you know, he brought up about 15 different things that, that he would point to before he even thought about the, the official, the yeah. officiating last night. So it, anyway. it's, fu- it's actually really funny because, you know, over the years we've had a lot of really animated guys. Dennis Gates, his encore, he is a very mild-mannered guy. I don't yes. know if, he's, if you've seen him on the if you've seen him on the court yesterday. It, and, and further proof was on Saturday's game, but uh, against Oakland, where on one side you had Greg Campy, who was, I mean, there were points in time where I thought he was just gonna, you know, get up and just throw a throw a ref into the stands. That's how pissed off he was. But all all Dennis Gates did the whole game was doing like the death glare. <laughs> that's, that's what he did. Too, too and I don't. And I can't say that I can't say as I blame either of them because that was such a horrible, horrible. It was. I. I. It. it you know. We. We. It, you know. And it, it's. And again, it's not, and it wasn't, and you were absolutely right. It was even, the, the crappiness was so evenly distributed. It was yeah. so evenly, it was so, it was. They said, this is how we're calling this game, and that's exactly how they called it. You, you, I have to give them credit. I didn't like it, but it was super consistent, and, you know. Consistently it was... bad. I mean, geez, if it, you know, uh, geez, if I was Simon Cowell, I'd be asking you to leave the room. Get, get, they called get that, any and every uh, that's, that's a no for me. Yeah. So anyway, so we can talk about Youngstown. I just wanted to really quick make. But yeah, make that, sure was a, that was that was. Don't have to do that. That, that was like, a cl- that was a clown show. I swear to God, whoever whoever is in charge of officiating at the Horizon League, dude, come on, man. Seriously, I know you. You know they did call it up the middle, no problem. But come on, man. Some of us actually want to enjoy watching the game. Do you know who that game probably pisses off the most if they go back and watch that replay is Mike Davis because yeah. he would kill to have Antoine Davis get a game called that way. He would. Oh I mean, my that's God. exactly what he's campaigning for, and maybe that's why they don't give it to him. But and that exactly and honestly, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he's trying to do on Thursday because he was he was he was cruising for a tech on Thursday against Cleveland is. State. But he's still Cleveland State still won, so it's good. Obviously, okay with that. But yeah, so so Youngstown State. Um, Wow. So they're undefeated at home. They're 8-0 at Beagley. I'm not going to count their uh, game. You know, obviously, they, they have another game they played at the Covelli Center, which is the bigger arena in Youngstown, against West Virginia, which obviously they lost. But as far as their 
their record in the Beagley Center. It is eight and zero. They're undefeated. They they beat they beat Oakland. They beat they they beat Detroit Mercy. Ironically, also at the last minute on both of those games, which I which is amazing to me. Well, do you want to break those down super quick? Like I just I don't need to. I mean, like, nice Ole defense by Oakland at the last the second. So <laughs> Ole. You, you know, around here in, in sports radio, we have a siren when someone, you know, oh, yeah, I talked to a source, blah, blah. So you can siren me if you're one of those people. I talked to somebody from, from Oakland about that, and I'm still not sure what was supposed to – I know that Trey was supposed to keep in front of him, and, and Dan Oladapa was supposed to prevent the pass from coming in, and neither of them did their job, it sounds like. And coast to coast, easy lay-in, and there you go. Game over. Yeah, that's so, true. Oakland has lost more stupid games to Youngstown State doing stupid shit than I can even count. And uh, it's just, it's really, it's still payback because Campy pulled off the, uh, a win over Youngstown in a play or in a, maybe a CIT game. I don't know. Some, some game late in the season before we were, I think even in the conference, he pulled off the charge call with, you know, from an out of bounds play to get Bader to the line to win a game that we, we should have lost. So it's really still just payback from all of that. That would be my guess, but yeah. And then, and then fast forward to Saturday, and you know, Youngstown State gets the gets the lay in, and there's twenty something seconds left. And and Detroit Mercy decides, screw it, we're not going to call a timeout. They had two timeouts, by the way. What do you call a timeout for? Everybody knows the play. I'm not even smart, and I know the play. But uh, yeah, which is uh, exactly. And so did Youngstown State, and they game planned for it. So what if, like, at least for the t- they could have called timeout. It's like they, they, Mike Davis could have said, in case Antoine isn't open, this is your plan B. And that's not what happened. And by the way, Antoine Davis didn't take that la- the last shot in the game. I might add. I mean, do you have? But you had twenty something seconds to get something together and tie that ball game, and you didn't. It's amazing to me because we're seeing with Detroit Mercy that you see the potential for them to be way better than they are, but they just aren't. I mean, when you when your quote-unquote star player is 5 of 20 from the field with five turnovers on top of it, that's, that's not – you can't win games like this. No! What because like, and again, why? like, what are you doing? And what are you doing? You know, every 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 single team in this conference is game planning for your kid. Period. Cleveland State did it, and they basically rendered him. They rendered him invisible. Yeah, he got fifteen points, but on what kind of shooting? Not very good. I mean, they put a three-headed Cleveland State put a three-headed monster on him. They put Hugo Ferreira, they put Franklin Penn, who played his ass off on that at that game, and they put Cash Thomas on him. They basically they they gang defended him. That's how you do it. Get somebody else to get. And Cleveland State did exactly what I and I I I, I swear I had to re-listen to last episode and I said that they their game plan was going to be. Make anybody else beat you, and I think Al Eichelberger can take it can can handle Justin Miller, and I was absolutely correct. And mm-hmm. they won. 
and they won. And they, yeah, you could tell. And that the matchup between the matchup between Miller and Eichelberger was was nothing. I mean, I while whereas Justin Miller had you know had kind of emerged against uh, in the win against Northern Kentucky, a, he was not as much anywhere near as much of a factor in the Cleveland State game because he had to deal with Eichelberger all day all game, nearly all game. And if he when he wasn't dealing with Eichelberger, he had to deal with Jalen Hill, who was mm-hmm. who did just as well. I mean, it was, but that's that's what everybody's game playing for. And Youngstown State did the exact same thing. They, their focus was on defending Antoine Davis, make somebody else beat you. And it just seems it's so weird. It's like I, I, I don't know. And again, I don't know what the. I'm sure the idea was okay. Get the ball. You know, your your last play on the last seconds of that game is to get Antoine the ball and get him to produce something. Think and and I said I actually tweeted this out. Does Mike Davis is not Mike Davis not aware that Youngstown State plays defense? Because uh, they do. <laughs> they play great defense. Yeah, exactly. J- Jared Calhoun didn't come from like shoot f- the, sh- a shoot first, ask questions later kind of. You no, know, he he's got defenders. He's got a guy like he's got guys like he's got Darius Quisenberry clamping down. He's got Nas Bohannon who's probably going to be you know the way Nas Bohannon is playing. He's probably you know you could probably make an argument for him as defensive player of the year. Nas Bohannon. That's how good mm-hmm. he's been all year. But yeah, that's the. But yeah, that's who he went up against, and he went with that game plan anyway, because apparently he doesn't know anything else, which I don't really understand. You're Mike freaking Davis. You went to a Final Four. Hello. To be fair, he went to a Final Four with Bob Knight's team. I understand that, but he also went to the, but he also was able to get, get Texas Southern to the NCAA tournament four straight freaking years. His kid wasn't on the team then. I that's mean, true. It's so. I I'm I'm dumbfounded by the whole thing. It's like it's like you is know. This, is this just another example of Detroit Mercy hiring a coach based on the coach's son, and the coach's son doesn't know how to coach with the coach's son because they've done that a lot. Uh, a yeah, lot. you are well. At least yeah, but only difference is that Ray McCallum was able to get to an NCAA tournament with his son. I don't see that happening here. I really no. don't. Even even if even if Antoine stays two years. You got a you got teams on the come up who are going to be better than Detroit Mercy. I'm sorry, but that's going to be true. I really think that's true. I still think Antoine Davis needs to transfer for Antoine Davis, but I also know it's not going to happen. But no. man, I think he needs to transfer and play at least one year at a high major and show what he's yeah. capable of. Because right now he doesn't even look. I, I wouldn't even have him on the first team. Honestly, in the horizon, and that's not no. that's not where he wants to be trying to go. Well, pro. no, because because yeah, because the Horizon League, all the the, the Horizon League teams are on his game, and I mean, they're shutting you, him down. Who would you take right now? Would you take Tejon Lucas or would you take Antoine Davis? I take Tejon Lucas. Absolutely. I really we would. Talk about, we should talk about that game too. At yeah, some point. but I but I do want to. But I know we talked a lot about how you know where how lost Detroit Mercy looks. But again, I want to get back. I want to get back to the whole the you know, the 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 Youngstown uh, Youngstown State as a whole because you you have a team. This is year three of Jared Calhoun. You see them. You are. They're finally. Uh, they're finally. You're finally seeing the fruits of their labor. Cleveland State loss notwithstanding. 
They got two road wins in Illinois and Indiana, uh, at UIC and IUPUI. They've won two games at home. They're undefeated at home. I, I said it to be in the preseason that, that Youngstown State had the potential to do this, and now it looks like they're finally realizing it. Finally. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see this weekend because this weekend's going to be pretty. Uh, next weekend's going to be pretty tough because they're going next weekend. They're going to Wright State in Northern Kentucky. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Kind of the true test of what North, what Youngstown State can do. I think that Youngstown State Northern Kentucky game on Thursday. I think it was, that's going to be a great game. I really do. I think those two met. I think Youngstown State and Northern Kentucky match up really well, and that one's going to be a bar murder. It's definitely some good Horizon basketball coming there. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um. The one other. Yeah. The one game. Yeah. You mentioned. You mentioned Tejon Lucas. Um. And you mentioned Milwaukee. And we haven't. And again, because we don't have Jimmy on here all that all all that often, we don't talk a lot about Milwaukee. But, there hasn't been a lot to talk about lately. Lately, but yeah, um, because and of course, and Milwaukee started zero and two, so that didn't really help them either. <laughs> That, that didn't really help their cause, but uh, the last, you know, they're 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 doing a little better now. You know, they they won three games. They've won three games in a row. Uh, they beat uh, on Saturday. They they beat Green Bay, and Green Bay was sticking in that game for a little bit, and they just ran out. Of, Green Bay just ran out of gas. A little, um, little disappointed in Green Bay. I really thought they were going to start turning the corner and showing that they were one of you know the top two or three teams in the league, and then they dropped this one to Milwaukee. Yeah, that it's it's kind of a weird thing how they've really you know, how 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 things have kind of not materialized for Green Bay. And again, I for Green Bay the best word I could the best word I could use to describe them is erratic. You just you don't know what Green Bay team you're getting every game, and that's a problem for them because they just it, it seems like they're on one game and then off two games. It's if you're a Green Bay fan, you're probably pulling your hair out right now, saying, "Give us a little consistency for crying out loud." At least um, know what you are, you know. Exactly. Do you know what they are at this point? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Know. I have no I idea. I mean, you're you're squand. I mean, you're with your erratic play. You're really squandering what I consider to be an outstanding freshman campaign by Amari Davis. I mean, he got 28 points in that game, and he shot fi- he shot near he shot over 50 percent from the field. And I and again and you know we we've talked about we've talked about Amari Davis a little bit, and, and Amari Davis is one of those players you know, that could definitely be an impact for Link Jarner moving forward. He's got the game. Um I definitely think he's he's freshman of the year front runner at this point. I think I mentioned that last week. I reiterated great. that this week. Great, great player. But yeah, the the whole thing with that is just it's so insane. But yeah, let's talk about Tejon Lucas for a second though. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who is just, you know, and, and and it's funny because we had John Parker wrote a wrote a, an, a piece on HorizonRoundtable.com about Tejan Lucas, Tejan Lucas, who about that, and it's so funny that you know he mentioned how under the radar he was, and he's kind of proving how good a player he is at this point because he got thirty one against Green Bay. I didn't know who he was 
until John nope. wrote that article. I don't it was think on any- the radar. I won't lie. I had no idea. Exactly. Nobody knew who he was, which is amazing to me. And it's like, it, that's how under the radar Lucas was for them. And mm-hmm. now he is just, he's absolutely, he's killing it for them right now. He, watching watching the that game yesterday, he's a player that can take over a tournament game and could get Milwaukee on a run yeah. in, in the prize league tournament. I wouldn't want to face him. No, it's not even absolutely Milwaukee, not. It's him. it's him. No, that's true. You're absolutely right. I mean, and not to take away, and honestly, not to take anything away from uh, the rest of Green Bay. I mean, Darius Roy himself had you know at 23 as well. So he's turning out to be – he's actually turning out to be an outstanding player for them as well. So so whereas, you know, in the first weekend you're kind of wondering what Pat, what, what exactly is going on with Pat Baldwin, you know, three games later, they're inching towards 500, they're 3-2 and two in the conference, and they look pretty good at this point. They may this actually – they may no. have something going on. Who knows? I mean I – mean, and- and with the way this conference is going, there you never know. It really, I mean, we still, like I said, you, you mentioned earlier that when you were talking, we were talking with Jordan that we were recording, you know, before the Sunday um, games. Yeah. But really, what this week has shown us is we, we, the Horizon League is what we keep saying. It's just kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. It really, at much. this point, we need Wright State to win because they're our best bet going into the tournament. Because otherwise, th- this league is just a crapshoot and it not really necessarily is. in a good way. It, and it's funny because it's actually even more of a crapshoot this year than it was last year. And last year was our, just an amazing crapshoot. It was. I mean, it's, it's like it's a giant slap fight from like 2 to 10 now. Although I do, I, I will say IUPUI is kind of, you know, stepping back a little bit more as as we move forward. Um, I, UIC and IUPUI are, you know, they're, they're slowly sinking, sinking down to the bottom like the rocks that they apparently seem to be. <laughs> but I everybody mean, else, man, you, you know, you know, everybody else, you know, and, and, and again, that we are that we are including, you know, again that we are including Cleveland State into this conversation blows me away. But it, you could even make the argument for Detroit Mercy, because you know yeah. you get a couple of you get a couple of shots to fall for Detroit Mercy, and they're not one in four, <laughs> or Honestly, yeah, one in four. Yeah, the you know if I look at each team and I start to think, okay, who wouldn't I want to play? And I can come up with a reason I don't want to play pretty much any team. Yeah. Except for Oakland, which I'm, I'm not supposed to say as an, as an Oakland guy, but, like, I think that's the one team I'd want to play right now. I, you know, Xavier Hill Mays doesn't scare me. Brett Brechting doesn't scare me right now. Like, all their advantages that they should be doing, they're not doing. Like, I think if you had to play anyone in the tournament right now, that's who you want to play. Yeah, and that's the one. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because against the, the game against Cleveland State, the key factor in that game was not either FedEx or, or Brad Brechting. That no, they weren't because uh, Hill Mays was had foul trouble for a lot of the second half, and Brad Brechting was pretty much again went up. You know, as I mentioned last week, I said you know I did mention that you know Eichelberger could take Al Eichelberger could take Brad Brechting, and he did. The key was that the key was the backcourt, and of course the fact Cleveland State couldn't hit any free throws. I mean, because Kevin Kangu, where was Kevin? Did he? Where was Kevin Kangu? Did he get lost in the luggage or something? I mean, he, he, must, went, he uh, didn't play the entire first half. Second half, he goes off. 
He must have done something and get himself benched for the half. I'm wondering if Kenny Pittman maybe was part of that because Kenny Pittman usually sees some minutes. He saw nothing yesterday, so yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I, don't you know. put, I mean, he started. Th- he started like what three freshmen last day. He started what two or three freshmen on uh, against Cleveland State, and I was like, what the? Did I miss something? No, Campy's rotation is such a clusterfuck, and that's you know <laughs> he'll, he'll tell you that too, and he doesn't know it's. It's just throwing shit at the wall every game and seeing it's like the I don't know you figure it out. I mean, but he, well, I mean, uh, obviously he figured it out against Cleveland State. So I mean, and I, I don't know. Point, I don't. That might be the exception, not the rule, though. At some point, it's good coaching because basically he's giving everybody a chance to prove themselves. You know, I've been I've been you know saying CJ Gettlefinger. I don't understand why. He doesn't see more minutes. Doesn't see more minutes. He had a good stretch here. He he had a stretch of minutes against Cleveland State, but he didn't play well. So you know no. what? Then he loses that opportunity. He's giving everybody an opportunity, yeah, and nobody true. is taking it. Zach Goodline, I you know I'm half of the city of Coloma, which is a small West Michigan city, hates me because I'm not a huge Zach Goodline fan. It's not Zach Goodline I'm not a fan of. I don't think that uh, a, a freshman that we were told wouldn't even, was going to redshirt and wouldn't see the floor this year should be our starting point guard all of a sudden. But you know what? He's at least trying to make the most of his minutes. I can't be mad about that. Like no, this team, just no one wants to step up. And I, if I had to play anyone in the tournament right now, I'd want to play Oakland. I don't necessarily disagree on that. And I, you know, I'm, I, I look forward to the rematch. Hopefully, without the without the officiating crew. <laughs> Still, that's I'm, I'm going to have nightmares about that officiating for like weeks. It's going to be, it's going to be. I'm going to hear clown shoes in my sleep. <laughs> So, all right. So with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, again, thank you. Thanks once again to Jordan Burnfield for uh, joining us in the first uh, part of the uh, first part of the podcast. Um, we're looking forward to seeing him um, in the weeks to come on ES on the ESPN family of networks. Um, doing the play-by-play for the Horizon League. And, of course, as for us, you can always find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on horizonroundtable.com, as well as every uh, as where podcasts are available. I did find out, by the way, apparently Pandora does podcasts now. Um, huh. we're, we're not on there yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> I'm working on it. but So everywhere but Pandora, because apparently Pandora is doing podcasts now. Well, but the, I'm I'm looking I'm gonna get that done, um, and of course you can find you can you know pull up your you know your Amazon or Google devices and you know pl- you can play the Horizon Roundtable on there. So that should do it for us. And thank you all for listening.